series that we call Advent, Rejoice, Rejoice, and we're talking about the fact that Jesus uh, came to earth in order to give us hope, in order to give us uh, a relationship with our Heavenly Father, and so uh, we've been going through the different things. About 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied that he would be born, and he gave him some some. Uh, names that we can look out for. And the first week of Advent, what we talked about was Emmanuel, which just means God with us. And every time we want to see the heart of God, we just look to Jesus and we see who God is. And so then we talked about the idea of the Prince of Peace and we talked about uh, having peace in Christ and uh, that be, because he's a prince, we don't experience the peace of Christ until we submit under the authority of Christ. And so we talked about that last week. And this week, we're going to talk about another name uh, that Isaiah prophesied for Jesus. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Again, there's that idea of authority. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. When I was in seminary, um, I, my journey, as most of you know, was a little different. I was in business for 16 years uh, in import-export. Uh, but God was continually stirring in me a calling that he had given me um, in high school. As a matter of fact, I went to college to become a pastor, but I flunked all those classes, and so I realized I'm not smart enough to be a pastor. Now being a pastor, I realize you don't have to be that smart at all. But, um, and so, uh, so I ended up going, I ended up becoming the pastor at Living Spring and then going to seminary. And so uh, it was a little different than a lot of people. And so in seminary, one of the classes I took was called Pastoral Counseling. And I was really excited about this class. Um, uh, I thought it would be exciting. And so um, I went there because I wanted to know, like if I'm going to be a pastor, I'm probably going to be counseling people. And I, I need to learn how to do that. And so I go, I go to the first class and she gives us all an assignment. We go through the syllabus and everything. She gives us an assignment to, um, to go home and write out... Um, a, a significant event in your childhood, okay? So I went home, uh, wrote, I, I have this significant event, and then you come to class and you position people in kind of a snapshot of that. So, you know, one person's over here and they might be peering over, another person might be crouching down, two people might be fighting, who, who knows what it is. And so then you, 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 you kind of not reenact it, but the class looks and says, what, what's going on there? This is what I see, and this is what I see, okay? And so we go through the whole thing. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the dumbest assignment I've ever heard of in my life, and I'm paying money to go to seminary to learn how to counsel, but they're, like, talking about, like, an event in my life. Like, do I translate this to other people? Like, like if someone comes into my office, do I have them all, like, get in, like, mannequin poses? And then I try to decide. So that's what happened. And, um, and I just, we started going through these things. And, I mean, it was getting heavy. I mean, it was getting heavy. 
what people were showing and all these things and what they were expressing about these significant events was like really heavy. Well, two weeks into it, I realized, wait a minute, this isn't a class to teach me how to counsel. This is a class that exposes me that I need counseling, that I need therapy. And so I, what I did uh, about four weeks into it, I'm like, man, I, I need to get a therapist. Now, Again, for some of you, uh, you might look at that as like, why would a pastor need therapy? And that's kind of weak. And, you know, isn't God enough in the Bible and just do it that? And that's fine. I mean, I, I totally understand that. But I, I look at therapy a little bit different. I look at it like, you know, do you need a trainer? You could just go to the gym. You could just w get weights at home and do that. But to be most effective, you need someone who's been down the road a little farther that knows the tools. And so, so do you need a trainer? Do you need a nutritionist? Well, just eat right. Like, mm, well, it's probably best to just get someone who's holding you accountable. I mean, obviously, we can't afford that. But if you could, you'd pay someone to kind of prepare your meals. And, 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 and there you go. And, and so uh, we do it in all sorts of ways. Well, a therapist isn't a sign of weakness. It's like, like Tom Brady has a quarterback coach. He's the greatest quarterback of all time, but he has a quarterback coach. Why? Because he needs tune-ups. He needs someone else looking into it. So I go to counseling. It was pretty awesome. Uh, ten, ten sessions, and um, I learned a ton about myself because the reason you want a pastoral counseling class to look into the pastor is so that the pastor doesn't damage the people that he or she is counseling because they know themselves very well. Okay, I hope that, hope that makes sense. And that 20 of you didn't just turn your computers off. So, here's the good news. Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus, says, you are going to have a wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. This is a sermon that Jesus preached, his most famous sermon. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It spans three chapters. And Jesus turns everything upside down. He turns everything upside down. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at six things in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus um, counsels us in. Like a therapist, like a counselor, like, like he, 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 he like flips the table and says, okay, here are six things. There's way more. We just didn't have time. I might do a whole series called Wonderful Counselor, and it's like six weeks long. But um, he, there's six things that kind of reminders that I think we all know, but it's good to be reminded of. Here's another thing about going to therapy. When the therapist gives you something to do, do it. It does no good to go to the gym and you have a personal trainer and they say it's really important during the week that you stretch. And you're like, what do you know? You're just a personal trainer, right? And you don't stretch and then you injure yourself. It's, it's really important if you have a nutritionist or somebody or a doctor that says, hey, you know, it's really important for you to stop smoking or you're going to get cancer. And you're like, you know what? What is that guy? You know, who, who, like, like, you have to do it, right? I'm <laughs> so was a pretty good smoking impersonation. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus has this, this preemptive strike and puts them into practice. 
So we're going to look at six things that I hope you gravitate to one or two or maybe even three. But you can go, okay, I'm going to put that into practice. Put it, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, Jesus, this is kind of the, he goes through a whole story about someone who builds his house on the sand, someone who puts his house on the rock. The storms come because they are going to come. They're coming now with COVID and everything else. He puts uh, them into practice. It's like a wise man, wise woman who builds her house on the rock. So here we go. Six things that your wonderful counselor Jesus is, you're sitting across the couch. Maybe you're lying on a couch. I don't know. Maybe you're lying on your couch right now. Uh, uh, you're like, it's like role playing. Um, this is what he has to say. Number one, don't be concerned how others live. Don't, don't be concerned how others live. Now, this is very difficult because before um, social, Jesus was before social media. So he would have changed this to be like, hey, just don't spend that much time online. <laughs> like, it's just not good for your brain. It's not good for you. It's not good for your soul. Don't be concerned how others live. This is what he says. Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, if you've been around religious people a lot, you might automatically think, oh, oh, I, I get it. God's up there with a bat. And he's just like loosening up, kind of getting ready. And when I judge someone, he's going to judge, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying, when he talks about the same measure, what he's talking about is our greatest judge is us against us. So I'll give you an example. We, um, we've raised three children. They're just cherubs and never done anything wrong. But my two girls, uh, when, when Lisa would take them to the store, um, they have those long aisles. And so those are, for them, they're runways. Like, like you can sprint, you can race. Um, you could see one of my kids at the store uh, doing handstands and walking down uh, the, the aisle. You could see them uh, doing cartwheels, all, all these different things. Because they're um, hyper. Anyway, uh, and so, so they're doing that. And Lisa, of course, she's like the perfect mom. She's like really calm. Like, no, stop doing cartwheels. No, you can't get on her shoulders. Come on, let's go. And so she's trying to round them all up. And there was this other mom who was pushing a cart down. And she also had two daughters. And one had their left hand on the cart walking. And the other one had their right hand on the cart. And so she was going down the aisle, and, you know, our girls are, like, doing back, back flips and stuff like that. And uh, Lisa hears this mom say, do you see that, girls? Those are animals, <laughs> okay? So, uh, and they, they, they are. They, they'd admit it, okay? Well, well, we're all animals. We're just different species. Um, and so... Uh, so Lisa kind of laughed and was like, you know, as all moms are, like, man, maybe I shouldn't let them do handstands, what, whatever. But here's the problem for that woman, and I, we don't know who she is, we don't know whatever. But this is a judgment upon someone else. So if anything goes off the rails, 
with her girls, she is going to feel the exact same sense of judgment that she was giving. And I don't wish this upon her at all. I wish that her girls become amazing. But Jesus is saying as a counselor, your brain, your body, your soul is not designed to judge people. It'll come right back onto you. And Jesus wants you to be free from judging others. Every single one of these things, when you go to a therapist, they want you to be free. They want you to be free from your past, free from your addictions, free from your issues, free from your insecurities. And Jesus wants the same thing. He says this, he goes on, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the giant plank you have in your eye? How can you say to your brother, now this is really important, listen to the heart of Jesus. Jesus wants us helping each other. He doesn't want us judging each other. So he says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your eye? Then he uses a little bit strong language. You hypocrite. Hey, dummy, why are you doing this? First, get you taken care of. First, get you in the right order. Get the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And I meet people like this all the time. Actually, a lot of people who've been through recovery, they're so comfortable with themselves now. They go, oh yeah, no, I messed up here, I messed up there, I messed up there. And then they're able to help other people. But if, if your ministry is just to judge, oh man, Jesus says, you're, you're putting a heavy load on yourself that you are not designed to carry. So, here's the don't, and here's the freedom. Don't be concerned how others live. That'll make it free to focus on you. And I don't mean focus on you, like like go to a spa and put cucumbers on your eyes, and it's just all about yourself. It's like, okay, where, where am I, where do I need to get better? What would Jesus have me to do in this certain situation? I'm not going to worry about them. I'm not going to worry about their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram. I'm not, I'm, I, I got to worry about me and my relationship with Jesus. So that's number one. Don't be concerned how others live. And I'll review all these at the end. Two, to serve is greater than to be is greater than being served. To serve is greater than being served. In our particular culture, and I can only speak for America, and I can only speak for um, you know those kind of in our context. There is a sense of entitlement and a sense of I deserve. And um, I I bought some shoes online the other like few months ago and they're starting to tear down at the at the base of the shoe and I like found myself getting enraged <laughs> over shoes like like I like I have to have it I don't deserve this tra- travesty right to serve is better than to be served so what happened was Jesus had his disciples and two of them are called James and John and uh humorously enough they're called the sons of thunder but when they asked Jesus for something, they got their mom to do it. So it's kind of like, you're not really sons of thunder. You're, you're kind of mama's boys, which would have been a better term for them. And so they asked their mom to go to talk to Jesus. And the mom says, hey, uh, uh, would you do me a favor? And Jesus is like, uh, 
probably rolled his eyes, but was like, okay, what is it? And she said, when you enter into your kingdom, would you have one of my sons on your right and one of your sons on your left? And uh, he's like, no. <laughs> and so then he pulls everybody together. Hey, you guys, uh, you know, and the, the, the disciples were just all upset, you know, because it's like, oh, man. And Jesus gives them this really in, in awesome teaching. He says this. He says, the rulers of the earth lorded over them, the subjects. And then he says this, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. It's the exact opposite. Jesus also, you know, ends this up. And they, they, they'll get this at like two days before Jesus dies. He will model this to perfection. But he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. A couple days before Jesus was crucified, they're having um, uh, Passover. And in that day, when you walked on the dusty roads, when you got to a place, there would normally be a servant that would wash your feet. So you'd come in, they'd wash your feet, uh, get you all cleaned up, and then you'd go and sit down. And they didn't have anyone like that. So Jesus wraps a towel around his waist. As a matter of fact, the scripture says this, knowing that all authority had been given to him. In other words, knowing that he was God, right, and was going back to heaven. His act was to wrap a towel around his waist and to wash the disciples' feet. And he says to them, do you see what I did for you? He said, now you, as a wonderful counselor, your life is going to go way better. Your soul is going to be much calmer if you understand that to serve is better than to be served. He gave his life, uh, uh, he gave his life as a ransom for many. And he exam that example was him washing their feet. So, to serve is greater than being served. And that gives you a freedom from having to have your own way. And let me just tell you, that's a wonderful freedom. Like, if you can get that down where you don't have to enter into a situation and wonder what your place in line is, most of the healthy marriages I know, we could sum it up by just a race to the back of the line. Most of the healthy relationships I know, whether it's marriages or kids or whatever, it's somebody with a race to the back of the line. Who can serve first and who can serve best? And there's a freedom to not have to have your own way. Number three, don't waste time worrying. It doesn't do any good. Now, in this particular uh, day and age, we have COVID. We've got financial problems. We've got, like, global issues. Um, we've got uh, uh, social unrest. There's a lot to worry about. There's a lot to be concerned about. And I am not trying to dismiss any of those things. All I'm trying to say is that you have a wonderful counselor who says, look, why don't you just change the things that you can change? Work on the things that you can work on. Work on the circle of influence that's around you. And don't worry about the things you cannot control. Because we can kill ourselves worrying. Now, um, 
this is one of my weak areas. I mean, this is an area that uh, I've been working on for a long time. I tend to be anxious. Not so much anymore, um, but there were seasons in my life where that, it was crippling, right? Here's what Jesus says. He says, he's talking, he's, he's again, this Sermon on the Mount, and uh, he says, uh, uh, don't worry about your clothing, don't worry about your food. And he, he gives two examples. He says, one, look at the birds of the air. And, uh, and so I'm sure they all looked around. I have a joke. I say it every time I go into this scripture that he probably just created some birds to like fly by right at that time, like perfect timing. Um, but maybe not. But he says, look at the birds of the air. They, they jam by. And then he says, they don't toil, they don't sow, or they don't reap, and yet your heavenly Father cares for them. He says, look at the lilies of the field. Even Solomon and his, all his glory wasn't clothed like something like that. Don't you think that your heavenly Father loves you more than he loves them? And it's a rhetorical question. And good counselors often do that. They ask questions to have you come up with the answer on your own. And the answer is, of course your Heavenly Father loves you. Of course your Heavenly Father knows what you need. And so Jesus gives this, this counseling advice. He's a, just an awesome counselor. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Isn't that the case? You say, well, John, I, like, I, I read the news and I have, I, I'm on social media and I get forwards of articles <laughs> that people read on the internet and then post them on the internet that they forward to everybody and look at this and um, uh, watch this before it gets taken off the internet and all these things. It's just like all this information about stuff. And you're like, well, what do I do? I, I, I want to be informed. I want to know what's going on. And I'm not saying you don't do that. I would say what our wonderful counselor says right after he says, uh, is, not, is, the, is life not more than food and the body more than uh, clothes? says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will work themselves out. In other words, our brains are not designed to take in seven fire hydrants of information. And so what Jesus is saying is don't set those things aside. Seek first his kingdom. In this particular sense, where, what does God want me to do? What does he want me to say? What does he want me to observe? Who am I supposed to encourage today? Who am I supposed to call up and say, hey, I, I haven't talked to you for a while. You know, I just want you to know your love. Like that's his kingdom. That's kingdom work. And then his righteousness. Is there something in me that goes back to number one? Don't worry about what other people are doing. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day, isn't this the truth? Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's great counsel from your wonderful counselor. There's nothing you can do about the future as it, results, uh, as it relates to anxiety.
There's stuff you can do today that will affect tomorrow. You save today and then you have money tomorrow. But the anxiety part, he says, don't waste any time doing that. So don't waste time worrying. That makes you free from having to make things happen. From just going, okay, how can I do this? How can I do that? How can I? Stop. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, your wonderful counselor would tell you. And all these things will be added to you as well. Number four, just tell the truth. <laughs> You're like, wow, this, that came out of nowhere. Well, here's one of the things when you go to therapy. Uh, anyone who's been in therapy or is a therapist or is a pastor can't help you if you're not telling the truth. So if, if, I'm a, if I'm a pastor and I'm counseling you and I say, how's your marriage? And you say, it's fantastic. It's a 10 and it's a 1. I can't help you because I'm like, oh, sweet. It's a 10. Way to go. Good job. Keep up the good work. That's impossible, but good job. The 10 is great. Like, like, you see what I'm saying? Just tell the truth. Tell the truth about yourself. Tell the truth when you're in conversations. Just It releases this freedom of being okay with making mistakes. So uh, when I was in college, up until my freshman year of college, I would make up stories. <laughs> I would lie because I was super insecure and I wanted to be cooler than I actually was. I wasn't really that cool. And um, so, like, for example, it's, like, super embarrassing, but uh, I've taken Jesus' wonderful counseling class, and uh, I can usually tell the truth about anything. Um, so I met my friend in college, and I wanted to, like, appear to be cool. So um, I said that I used to fight a lot, like, in those streets. <laughs> I used to fight a lot. And uh, that, you know, kind of talked about different fights I was in, and uh, Wilson, don't, don't shame me, okay? Um, and so, uh, so I'm, t I'm telling these stories, and they're, they're innocent, whatever, uh, but you got to remember your stories if you're going to lie. And so um, one day, I was walking around campus, and I just, I, I knew the Lord then, and I just felt the Lord telling me, dude, you got to stop this stuff. I'm like, yeah, what is, you're so insecure, 19 years old, you know, whatever. You want to be a man, all that nonsense. And, uh, and then I hear him say this, and you need to go back and tell all those people that those stories aren't true. And I'm like, and then what's behind door number three? I'll choose that one, okay? And uh, so I did. I went back to Lisa, who's, the, you know, we were dating at the time. I told her some of the stories, all of the ones I could remember that were untrue and all that. And it was horrible. It was the most horrible, horrible, horrible thing you could do because you're risking losing all these relationships that you value um, because you built those relationships on lies. Jesus wants you to be completely free from that. He wants you to be able to tell the truth. He wants you to be able to tell your boss. When your boss says, hey, did you fi finish that report? I asked you to just go, no, I didn't, I'm sorry, I've been behind, or whatever. Because he wants you to be free. Here's what Jesus says. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You ever seen a politician and somebody asks them a question? <laughs> if it takes you longer than two or three sentences, there's something wrong. Because... 
complex answers to simple questions are usually, it usually should take a, a little bit of time. But here's what it gives you. Just telling the truth gives you the freedom from needing excuses. The truth is the truth. It's there. It's like, how much do you weigh? You just say it. This is how much I weigh. It's the truth. You don't like go, well, I've, I've you know, been losing weight. That's not the, that's not the question. Uh, I, there's, um, there's someone I love very dearly, and I'll ask them, uh, how, how much did it cost? And they'll say, it was 10% off, <laughs> which isn't an answer to the question. But, I, you know, I'm glad. I don't, you wouldn't even know this person, but that's what will happen. It's like, the truth. what's the truth? It was $187.12. That's how much it costs. That's the truth. You don't need excuses. Number five, don't fear what others think. So number one was don't think about other people. And then number four was don't lie because normally we lie because we care about what people think about us. We don't need to worry about what others think. We have, there's one opinion about you that matters and that is the opinion of your heavenly father and sometimes he does go no 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 <laughs> you you're wrong here and you need to change other times he says you know what that was a mistake understand let's move on let's get you healed let's get you free don't care what other people think. Jesus was talking again in the Sermon of the Mount. And he says, when you give, don't make a big deal out of it, like ring a bell and do all those things. And, um, and, then, um, and then he says, be careful how you practice your righteousness. And you could almost insert anything here. Be careful not to practice your life in front of others to be seen by them. And we're all guilty of this. I post on social media and I post the best picture. I might take nine pictures. I'm telling you right now, I post the best picture, the one that looks the best. I don't post the first one I took because normally, you know, whatever. So I understand that we're all guilty of this, but this is why we have a wonderful counselor who says, look, this is going to be human nature to care about what people think. And he's just saying, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And you might be thinking, depending on your religious background, here he comes again. He, you're not going to receive any reward. As a matter of fact, he's going to see that and bam, you're going to be in big trouble. No. What it's saying is, if I am doing something in order to be in touch with my heavenly father, and that's the sole reason I'm doing it, that is a great reward. If I do it to impress somebody else, I'm not even thinking about my heavenly father, and I miss my reward. If you think of it this way, any other relationship, if I get in front of people and I start talking about my wife or my kids or whatever, and I'm just doing it to show like, oh, look how great I am. They, they, they're going to catch on to that. They know. You're going to miss it. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they got, they received their reward in full because they're not even thinking about their heavenly father. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If you 
don't fear what others think, then you are free to be yourself. You're free to be yourself. You don't have to conform to be what other people think. You don't have to become the husband that you think everyone else thinks you should be or the wife that everyone else thinks you should be or the friend or the pastor or the business person or whatever. You can just be yourself because your, your connection, your identity is that you're a child of your heavenly father. And finally, forgive, forgive. We again are not designed to hold on to bitterness we're not designed to, to, to just have all, these, all this unforgiveness just festering in us. He wants you to be free from that. He says, for if, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive other sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. And you go, oh my goodness, are you telling me that if, if I don't forgive my uncle or my aunt or this or that, that God's not going to forgive me of my sin? No, that's not theologically uh, accurate. But you will have a sin of unforgiveness that can't be forgiven if it's not repented of. And so you're going to be holding on to this yucky unforgiveness, and he, he's waiting to re release you of it. As the worship band comes back up, he goes on uh, uh, prior to this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And all of this wonderful counseling that Jesus is giving us is to allow the kingdom of God into our lives to the fullest that it can be so that we can be free. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You forgive and it gives you the freedom from having to be right, from having to exact justice, which is impossible possible. So I'm going to just go over these real quick, real fast, and then um, Wilson's going to lead us in a final song, and then I'll come up and bless us. Uh, number one, don't be concerned how others live. Um, that gives you freedom just to focus on your, your issues. You don't have to worry about any, anyone else. To serve is greater than to be served, and that gives you the freedom from having to have your way. Number three, don't waste time worrying. That gives you the freedom from having to make things happen, to do it on your own. Number four, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. It gives you the freedom from needing excuses. Number five, don't obsess about what others think. It gives you the freedom to be yourself. And number six, forgive. That's the freedom from having to be right. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness. We thank you that... You are a wonderful counselor, <laughs> and we can't fool you. You're going to pick just the right thing. You're going to ask just the right question. You're going to turn things around in just the right way because you want us to be free. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want, go ahead and stand for the blessing. And now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd go into this week 
hearing the voice of your wonderful counselor and that you would have the courage to act upon that in his joy and in his strength and in his freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have a great week and we will see you next week.